Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornshai. Well, uh, brother, it's good to be back again uh, this week. I'm really loving the series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's uh, just a lot of really good refresher stuff for me because it's been a while since I've, you know, kind of reviewed in depth. Um, and th- this week we're moving along. And so I think probably today's topic, which is uh, the Fourth Commandment, the Sabbath, is probably going to be one of the ones that most people are, have the most confusion around. What, what do you think? Yeah, th- this is uh, one that we see a lot of divergence of views, and even people that may arrive at the same conclusion may arrive there for different reasons. And I think there's a lot of confusion because um, there's conflation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that um, are also um, peddling false narratives from history as to uh, you know why we ended up worshiping on a Sunday rather than a Saturday. I've heard people say that it was really the invention of the Roman Catholic Church and, uh, you know, or paganism, things like that. So, so th- this is a good opportunity to go back into the scriptures and then really look at, okay, what does the scriptures say about the Sabbath? Yeah, absolutely. And well, let's start off by just reading from Exodus chapter 20. And we're, uh, so if you're looking with your Bible open with us, go down to chapter eight, I mean, uh, verse eight, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So there we go. Uh, keep the Sabbath, don't do any work, don't let any of your family or your children in your household do any work. That seems pretty clear, right? Yeah, that is. And I, and I think what's clear when you look at those um, look at those statements, starting in verse 8, is that this is about rest. And this um, addresses at least one of the confusions that I've heard people talk about, because in the Hebrew, the, the, the words, if you read the Hebrew scriptures, um, the, the Hebrew doesn't have vowels. Um, the, there's a group of people that we call the Masoretes that later put kind of these vowel pointings. But the uh, original manuscripts that we have is just consonants. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because a lot of people think that the word Sabbath um, is the Hebrew word for seven. Uh, meaning it's it's the seventh day. And, and the argument they make, because it means seven, it's always the seventh day. But we see here that, um, first of all, in the Hebrew, um, the word for seven and the word for rest share the same consonants. So, yes, they would look the same, um, but they are different words. And when we look at the context, or at least how this flows here, starting from verse 8, going down to verse um, 11, we see that the emphasis is indeed on rest. Um, So the Sabbath is about rest. And if you were to study the Old Testament, yes, they are to rest on the seventh day. And we see the example of creation, which, by the way, um, we're not talking about creation in this episode, but most of you who have followed us know where we stand. We do believe in a literal six-day creation. And this is one of the passages I would go to, that in talking about the Sabbath, guess what? Uh, 
verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. So a lot of people that try to argue that uh, the day in Genesis uh, chapter 1 is not a literal 24-hour day, well, the problem here is in this passage, clearly it's being applied towards a literal day. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, um, yeah, so so there's, there's, there's a lot going on here, um, but I, I think the first thing I want to point out is that it indeed is about rest, and it's not literally meant to always be the seventh day. Yeah, and that's a good point. And so, as we get started, let me give a little bit of uh, let, let's talk a little bit about some varying views out there because you know people are all over the place with this. And I think you know it's right for um, a, a believer to look at the Ten Commandments. They get to this commandment and they think in their heart, you know, well, I want to be obedient to this because this honors God. So how sure. do I? do this um and it, so if you go online and you do an internet search man you're going to find all kind of views out there right no. uh, so let's just bring up a couple different theories of this view we have the antinomian view which was really prevalent in some of the anabaptist circles you know kind of in the reformation era and basically that view held that those in christ were no longer bound to any of the ten commandments Right. Um, observing the Lord's Day uh, contradicted the New Testament teaching, uh, especially that kind of days and times and festivals and all that were irrelevant. They were abolished. And basically that every day is the Lord's Day. And so it's totally irrelevant. That's kind of the antinomian view. Um, the flip side of that coin is the seventh day Sabbatarian view. Right. And so that view is quite a bit more legalistic. Um, also kind of appears in, in numbers around the um, Reformation era in some Anabaptist circles. But essentially, that view teaches that it's the believer's duty to be just as Christ and fulfill the law. And so you have to fulfill the law. And this is part of that. Right. And so the Sabbath is observed under that view on a Saturday. And very often the emphasis is on observing it with the same level of strictness uh, that they would have in, in, in the Old Testament. So those are kind of two uh, polar opposite views, extreme views on the same coin. And then you kind of get down into views that most of uh, the people we would be familiar with, it might sound a little more familiar. Uh, you have kind of your, uh, so your ecclesiastical or, or dominical view, which just means relating to the Lord's Day. Um, maintains that the Sabbath is, so uh, there are a couple variations of it, but one view is that it's strictly mosaic in origin, right? Mm -hmm. So this doesn't carry over into the New Testament. It was a special provision for Israel. And when the Old Testament ended, um, so did the, the Sabbath, just like uh, the dietary laws and all of that. And so that's one view. Um, they would, under the ecclesiastical view, they would basically uh, say that, uh, or at least one perspective would be that the Lord's Day is a distinctive of the New Testament church. So they would say yeah. the, the Sabbath no longer exists. Instead of the Sabbath, now we have something totally different. It doesn't relate to the Sabbath. It's not a successor to the Sabbath, but we have the Lord's Day, and that's given as a distinction of the New Testament church. So that would be one understanding under ecclesiastical view. Um, it, it, another justification for it under that same view would kind of be that— um, well, I guess you have two main justifications for why they would say that. One would be 
based on just the history of the church, right? So you would have one group that says, yes, uh, it's not a Sabbath, that's done, but we do have the Lord's Day. But the reason is, the reason we observe the Lord's Day is basically because this is what we see the church doing throughout history, and that's kind of the, the where the justification comes in. Uh, so that's one argument. The other argument would be to say that this is sort of an apostolic ordinance uh, or even maybe an unrecorded directive of Christ. We kind of had those views um, in there. And then the last kind of major view would be just a Sabbatarian view, um, which is that the fourth commandment is not just mosaic, um, but in fact was given far before Right. It, it actually goes back to creation. And then there's some variations of this view. Uh, I, I think Sproul probably fit under this with some variations. Um, so it, we see you go all back to all the way back to creation and, and we see the command to observe this day. And then what this view would say predominantly is that with Christ, the day for observing has changed from the seventh to now the first but it doesn't change the language or the force of the commandment itself. Um, and so this view we see very strongly held in the 17th century Puritans all the way up to probably the early 19th century Puritans. Uh, and then there are a few variations of it, but this that's kind of the premise. It's that, well, the Sabbath was established actually long before the Ten Commandments. And so um, it is for all people at all times. However, with Christ, with the resurrection of Christ, it's merely been changed when we observe it, um, and it, that doesn't diminish the Ten Commandment language. No. Or <clears throat> so those are kind of some of the views out there. Yeah, and, and I think part of the confusion, and we've mentioned this before in going through the Ten Commandments, nine of the Ten Commandments um, is, are, are repeated in the New Testament. You'll find them in the Commandments of Christ. The one that is not repeated is actually the Sabbath. Yep. So we, we wrestle with that. And also, when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, um, a lot of the confrontations that happened between Jesus and the, the, the religious leaders were Sabbath-related issues. In fact, when you read it, it's almost as if Jesus was waiting for the Sabbath to do good works in order to bring about these confrontations. Now, for some of those who say that the Sabbath precedes Moses and goes back to creation, I think they would argue on the basis of um, verse 11 of Exodus 20 that it's God created the heavens and the earth it's six days and on the seventh day he rested um, I, I think the maybe the issue that I would take with calling that a commandment is that um, that's prescriptive um, it's telling us I'm sorry that's descriptive it's telling us what happened we don't yet see at that point a command that man is to do the same it's not until Moses shows up and really the first time um, the Sabbath requirement comes up uh, is in the book of Exodus before the Ten Commandments it's in Exodus chapter 16 they're on their way to Mount Sinai they've already left um, left Egypt and, uh, and and Moses calls for the people to rest on the seventh day um, instead of gather food, uh, gather the manna from heaven. So that's the first day that uh, that it comes up. So why is it that we have switched the day of worship from the seventh day to the first day? And I think it's a good question. It's it's a worthy question to ask. And um, I've I've also heard that over time in the when you look at the uh, for instance uh, the early church, the early church consisted of Jewish people. And where do Jewish people worship? Well, they worship in the temples and the synagogues. And the ones who ended up following Christ 
had no reason not to do the same. So they continued to do the same until at some point that division between those who reject Christ and those who accept Christ became sharp enough that they really had to find another another place, another venue, and and perhaps um, they made a made a, a decision to say, okay, let's let's worship on this day and and we'll worship in this way. It's hard to say for sure because the Bible is not. Um, is not uh, prescriptive or even descriptive about exactly how that happened. Um, so we're, we're kind of filling in the blanks. Um, I, in terms of the Sabbath um, itself and what I made, the point that I made earlier that it is a, a day of rest. Uh, some people have said that the Sabbath is worship. And, and indeed, the Israelites would worship on the Sabbath. But when you read that commandment, that fourth commandment out of Exodus 20, it's very clear that it's about rest. And on the day of rest, when you're not working, what better thing to do than to gather together with the people of God and to worship God? So I, I, I do see that there's a strong connection between the two, but I think we want to start with the idea of rest. And then here, let me read from Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16, verse, verses 29 through 31, um, is talking about the Day of Atonement, and it starts off this way. Um, verse 29, this shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you, for it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you. All right. So this is the day of atonement, which doesn't always fall on the seventh day. All right. right. So w once again, people will get really stuck on the seventh day. But the word Sabbath was about a day of rest. It yeah. was about a day of rest. And that's and so really the important. Old right? Testament wasn't just the Sabbath. Yeah, it is. It is. And then all the feasts and festivals um, where they were supposed to stop working, that was considered a day of rest as well. Yeah, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but just wanted to interject. I, I, that's probably the first thing that we would say people need to understand when we're starting to ask the question, well, how do we obey this commandment or do we obey this commandment? I mean, the first place to go would be to understand what the Sabbath is. Is the Sabbath a day? Because if the Sabbath is a day, then we need to find that day and, and what we believe and how we respond you know, has to do with that day, or if Sabbath means something else, which in this case it does, right? It's referring to rest. Uh, then yeah. it kind of molds and changes our perspective a little bit. If you go back to Genesis 2, 2, you know, it, it, it again, it ties it together. On the seventh day, God finished his work after all he had done, and he had rested, and the emphasis is on that resting, right? And so, ca carry on, brother, but just to say as we go on, that's a really key important uh f factor and i think if people get that then it could alleviate a little bit of um maybe stress you know when yeah. we're considering because then you're not as concerned with a day primarily we still have to answer that question but uh go, go on from yeah. there brother yeah and i think there's also we have to take into consideration the cultural difference and and the cultural difference it's very clear when you look at exodus chapter 16 when moses told them to rest on that seventh day and not go out and gather food. Some of them didn't obey and they went out and, and tried to gather food and basically disobeyed what Moses had said. And what that shows you um, is the culture at that time was that there is no day of rest. You work every single day. God was calling the Israelites out of Egypt to be his people. They were to be a holy nation. That means they were to be separated. They were to be different. And a lot of the 
what we call ceremonial kind of um, kind of laws about you know sacrifices and and days and feasts and all that. It was meant to show that they worshipped um, they they worshipped a very specific god that was separate from from all the other gods. So the people at that time they were very very um, oriented towards working every single day. And even the Israelites, when they received that command, it was a difficult command for them to follow. For us today, we're disconnected from that because I think the average person has at least two days off a week. Now that's not true for most pastors, but I think for most people, two days off a week is what they get. And so we don't we don't face this culture where we find the the um the the, the societal pressure or the cultural pressure is to work every single day. And and you can understand why a person might do that because they think it's necessary for them to survive and whatnot. And I think at least part of the lesson as it comes to the Sabbath is that God's gonna provide. And God would bless those who would obey the law and trust him, and especially trust him as it relates to the Sabbath. So from an Old Testament point of view, recognize the culture of it, recognize the meaning of the word, and and recognize that it didn't just pertain to a specific day, but it was any day that God said is to be a day of rest. So then, all right, so someone comes to you, they sit in your office and they say, okay, uh, pastor, I heard uh, the podcast and up until this point, I'm tracking with you, but still haven't really answered the question, well, then what do I do with this commandment? Um, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, you know, m- most Christians are going to fall into the category of believing that we still need to observe the Sabbath in some way, somehow. So we're saying that the emphasis is on a day of rest. Um, wh- what do I do with this commandment? You know, yeah. I'm sitting in my living room. I'm thinking I I want to make sure I'm not a murderer and I don't hate people and I'm not an adulterer and I'm not a coveter. But what in the, how, how do I obey this commandment? Yeah, and and that's a that's a great question, and uh, we uh, immediately I think we can see the, the the difference in terms of the morals of a command like "Thou shalt not kill" versus "Thou shalt honor the the, the seventh day and and turn it into a day of rest." Let me um, go to Matthew chapter twelve. So this is Jesus um, really addressing the Sabbath, and by the way, in this passage he calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. So while he was often challenged on Sabbath um, breaking, um, breaking the, the Sabbath and, and not obeying the law, he goes on to show that, look, I'm the Lord, uh, the, the Lord being the ultimate sovereign, the authority. He is the one who is the authority over, over the Sabbath, not the other way around. But in chapter 12, what happens is that we see that the disciples of Jesus Christ became hungry. They began to pick the heads of grain and eat. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And then verse 3, Jesus does something interesting. He quotes from the Old Testament, but uh, he he doesn't, well, he goes back to the Old Testament, but he doesn't go back to a Sabbath issue in the Old Testament. He actually brings back the story of David. He says, have you not read what David did when he became hungry? He and his companions, how they entered the house of God, they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but for the priests alone. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? So he gives two examples. And the first one has nothing to do with the Sabbath. It, but it, it's the story about how David and, and uh, those who were traveling with them, they were hungry and they went into the temple to eat what, or the tabernacle at this time to eat what they were not supposed to eat because that was supposed to be only for the priest. That was supposed to be supposed to be holy. And then he points out the second example is that, look, the priests in the temple, they violated every single week because guess what? On the Sabbath, when the Israelites are supposed to be resting, guess what the Levites are supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be working. 
right? So, in other words, this Sabbath is not meant to be a legalistic requirement for each and every single individual. That's what that's what the example of the priests show us. But the example of David and his friends eating when they were hungry goes to show us that the Sabbath was also not meant to rob people of their needs, all right? Yeah. And so then he goes on to say, verse 6, I say this to you, that something greater than the temple is here. And then verse 7, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. Um, and, and so the the issue, and then he goes on, verse 10, says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And And here's the thing. So a lot of the Pharisees who wanted to persecute Jesus for his works on the Sabbath, they wanted to persecute him because he was doing good. He was doing good works. Yeah. The idea of rest is that, look, you have needs, you're going out, you're trying to gather food, don't. Rest on that day, God's going to supply. Okay, but in this case, Jesus is not doing something for himself. He's doing something for, for, for someone else. So it's not unlawful to do good on the Sabbath. That's why he asked the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And that should be a ridiculous question because, of course, if you can heal someone, heal someone. If you can do good for someone, do good for someone. If you can help them, help them. Um, and, and then he goes on to heal a man, um, tells him to uh, stretch out his hand, then he goes ahead and, and heals him. Um, and, and then Jesus at some other point gives another example, and actually it's right there in the same chapter. Uh, in verse 11, chapter 12, verse 11 of Matthew, he said, What man is there among you who has sheep, and if it falls into the pit on mm -hmm. the Sabbath, that he will not take hold of it and lift it out, right? So yeah. in other words, look, it's not meant to hurt you, it's meant to help you. And that's why Jesus in, some, uh, in other places will say that Sabbath is made for the man, I'm sorry, man, yeah, Sabbath is made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was established for our well-being, it was established for our welfare. We were not created in order to simply just obey the Sabbath. And Jesus being Lord of the Sabbath, I think when you really look at those lessons, look at those statements, and carefully consider it, I think you're going to get more insight into the purpose of the Sabbath and, and how it was being abused um, legalistically in the days of Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you this, all the good works that Jesus Christ committed on the Sabbath, he never broke the intent of the Sabbath commandment. Yeah, I mean, that's really good points. And so uh, let's kind of bring this into Sunday, the Lord's Day, right? Yep. Um, I, I mean, this is kind of the big thing. You, you've got Sabbatarians, uh, you've got Seventh-day Sabbatarians, and you have Sunday Sabbatarians, right, which a majority of the Puritans were. Um, and then even they had two distinct views on what, uh, how functionally it it played out, right, yep. uh, in your life. How do you, how did you, how did you practically observe it? Um, they had kind of two two varying opinions on that. Um, so, w would you consider Sunday to be the New Testament church's Sabbath, or um, it, w w how how would you answer that question? Um, I, I would consider that our day of worship, um, and uh, if if people are taking that day off, you can certainly consider that the Sabbath. But most people have Saturdays and Sundays off. So really, in terms of rest, they have two Sabbaths, right? Yeah. So, I mean, unless someone is working seven days a week, um, I don't think they have to worry about um, the idea that they're violating the, this call to, to rest. Um, and, and let me point this out also. When you look at the New Testament, we just mentioned the Sabbath command was never repeated um, for Christians. But when you look at the New Testament, just, just do a study on, on the ordinal numbers like how often does the words first day show up or second day or third day or fourth day or seventh day 
And it's interesting when when you look at it. Um, very rarely does um, is a day marked out by which day of the week it is. Um, but for believers, when we do see that showing up, it shows up specifically with uh, with believers, and in specific, and it's often connected back to the resurrection of our Lord. So let me let, let me just walk through some verses here. Um, Jesus was discovered on the first day of the week. So when you look at passages like Matthew 28, verse 1, Mark 16, verse 2, Luke 24, verse 1, John 20, verse 1, um, they each point out that Jesus was discovered up to, to, was to not be in the tomb anymore on the first day of the week. So they wanted to make it a point that you understood that it was the first day of the week. Um, it was also the first day that Jesus appeared to his disciples. Um, that's in John chapter 20, verse 9. It was also the first day in which the early church were said to gather to break bread. You see that in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Um, it was the first day in which Paul asked the Corinthians to gather um, the collection of the saints. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. And what's interesting is that you won't find references to any other day as it relates to Christian gatherings, including the Sabbath. And the only exception to this, and this often gets brought up as well, is in the cases where Paul was ministering to Jews. So in Acts chapter 13, verse 14, and verse 42, verse 44, chapter 17, verse 2, and 18, verse 4, we find that Paul goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so some people will point that out and say, see, Paul was still worshiping on the Sabbath. You don't understand what Paul was doing if that's, mm -hmm. that's your explanation. Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. And every city that he went to, if there was a synagogue, that's going to be the first place he goes. And what day is he going to go there aside from the Sabbath? Because that's when people are gathered. And that's going to be the day where he is going to try to reason with them that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. So that is the only time that you see Christian activity being connected directly to the Sabbath. It was with the Apostle Paul when he was going into the synagogues. And in no other place in the New Testament, and I would challenge anyone to prove me wrong, in no other place in the New Testament do you find a specific day of the week being marked out as a day of activity for for the Christians. Um, one more thing, we um, we find a reference from John the Apostle in Revelation chapter one verse ten to the Lord's Day, um, and he he says the Lord's Day, but nowhere in Scripture is that clearly defined what that is. And we know though from church history, go to early church history, and guess what? This has nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church. Um, because even if I remember correctly, it was Justin Martyr who was uh, writing um, writing to uh, as, as an apologetic to someone else who was an unbeliever, explaining the practices of Christians. And he explained that the Christians met on the first day of the week, and uh, he may have even referred to it as the Lord's Day. So according to tradition, we have a lot of reasons to believe that the Lord's Day actually did refer to the first day of the week. And the reason why it was on that first day of the week it becomes very clear when you look at the Gospels, because it was the first day of the week that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Mm. Yeah, and so the the question really re revolves around taking a day of rest. And I, I think we, we understand the command that we are not to forsake the gathering of the assembly, right? And so we have that day. We, as you know, Christians do that on Sundays. Um, and so it's a day of it ought to be a day of rest and reflection. But I think, it, you know, we could also, <clears throat> you know, and 
again, will probably all fall. Many people will fall in different variations of yeah. how this. And and I think I think we have to be okay with that to some degree. And the reason is because again, this is the only commandment that wasn't brought over into the New Testament. And so you're really fitting a bunch of pieces together. And and what we know about the commandment is that the commandment is about a day of rest. Yeah. Right. You come over into the New Testament, you have the Apostle Paul giving, you know, talks about the principles of conscience, for instance, where he yeah. literally says one person values one day over another exactly. day. Right. Um, you know, one person values every day the same. And then his emphasis is on er- each person has to be convinced in his own mind. And and so I would say if someone came to me, um, you need to not forsake the Lord's Day gathering, which is on Sunday. But if you decide you want to take Sun Saturday and you want to rest and you want to do things that are good for your soul and good for your walk with Christ and contemplate who God is and those things, then by all means do it. If you want to do that on Tuesday, then by all means do that. Um, but do it, right? I, th- I think the point yeah. is we need yeah. to be intentional to have that day and uh you know it's interesting for just to throw this out there for the guys who would be uh very strongly and and the puritans would have been this way many of them uh the lord's day is the new sabbath well what do you do with all the people who literally have to work in the church on sunday right yeah for you and me we don't rest on sundays right and you know neither neither does the sound booth guy or the janitor or the right the singers and yeah the the greeters and um, teachers and all those people yep so you know just to consider those things because if the principle is no one can do any work on a particular day what do you do on the corporate day of worship yeah because lots of people are working Right. And then, of course, you go back and you see Jesus addressing that same kind of mentality. Uh, yeah. And with, it goes to show it was, it was right. yeah, it was never meant to be um, it was never meant to be a legalistic requirement for each and every single person. Yeah, absolutely. And so this one for me and, and you can give I, I would just very simply say you need to be very intentional about having a day of rest and that not yeah. and resting in the Lord particularly. Right. Yeah. Uh, thinking about the things of God, thinking about the things of the faith. Um, and and that needs to be intentional. And if you're doing that, I would argue that um, you're that you're being obedient to the spirit of this commandment. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, two ways, um, two ways to address this. One is that day of rest. Um, I do believe that could be any day of the week. Um, as you said, just be intentional to take at least that uh, that day of rest as following after the the model given to us by God, going all the way back to creation. Um, and then in terms of our day of worship, I think there are very good reasons why we meet on the first day of the week. Um, if someone um, believes that they um, that they are uh, obeying God uh, better by worshiping on Saturday and they find a church that meets on Saturday, fine. Um, but this is one of those areas, too, where I would say don't don't make your conscience binding upon others. Uh, because I first of all, I... I think that you're in the wrong if you're saying that that is the day we should be worshiping um, but then second to make that view into the binding view upon others or to say that others are in sin or not worshiping god because they're meeting on sunday rather than saturday or even vice versa um so it's it, you know there are some people at churches and there are some churches that offer services on saturdays um and if that's the day that uh, you know your family is together, and, and you most often can get together and go and worship God with the corporate body. Then so be it, right? Um, 
So, yeah, I, I would say that uh, in terms of the Christian today concerned about the Sabbath, I would say that unless you're working seven days a week, um, you're probably not violating this call to, to rest. And then in terms of um, of worship, we are called to gather together for worship. And I would say that based upon what I see in the New Testament, there is very strong reason to believe that it really was the first day of the week um, for the reasons of many of those verses that, um, that I cited. Um, but as Paul had mentioned in his letters, you know, don't, you know, one person argues one day, another person argues another day. So if there's another day for you to gather with with people, the, the point is that you're gathering, that you're gathering and that that you're worshiping. Yeah, and I would say whatever day view you you, you want to take, and again, I think we could argue taking the, the the literal seventh day would would be far outside of of what we would consider generally an acceptable interpretation of things for for us yeah. today. But regardless of that, um, you ought to be in church Sunday morning, uh, but because this commandment is not centered around, and and it's not about the 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 assembling, right? That yeah. that's not what this is about, um, and so I know we've merged those things because traditionally they've been on the yeah. same day. Yeah. But this commandment doesn't say observe the Sabbath as your holy assembly, right? It, it doesn't say that. Um, that's not what it's about. It's about a day of rest. And so if you want to take Saturday, you know, as 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 the Sabbath as a day of rest, then that's fine. But then I would still argue that you need to faithfully be with god's people on the lord's day um unless in the circumstances you mentioned i i guess there are a few churches out there i've heard of uh that do yeah, saturday they, they services do saturday but they're service pretty day. rare i think yeah. um yeah, but other are. than that the point is that you take a day of rest um and and don't waste that day yeah um and, and then i and then if you if you're a sabbatarian and and you take the view that most uh most new testament christians would would in that uh, area, which would be that Sunday is to be considered the Sabbath because it's the day of rest, right? The reason we many consider it that is because they're not looking at Saturday, the day. They're looking yeah. at what day do we have a day of rest? Well, we have the Lord's Day where we're putting all of the secular things aside, right? We're setting our work aside. We're setting our ambitions aside. We're setting those things aside, and we're focusing on uh, on on the Lord holy and solely, and so it makes very good sense that Sunday is the day of Sabbath, right? The the yeah. day of rest as well. We're resting in Christ on that day, you know. Well, and, then, by, which, and by the way, that that's the reason why the worship day and the rest day was the same for the Israelites in the Old Testament. Um, they only rested on the seventh day, and what better day to worship than on that seventh day? Um, or any of the other feasts or festivals where it was called a day of rest, they would also use that day to gather together to worship. So so there's practical reasons why those two often come together, um, but they don't necessarily need to be on the exact same day, depending upon your situation, what you're called to do on that day. And, and the priest is a great example that they, hey, they had to work on that Sabbath day, so they had to take a, a day of rest another time. And it's the same for most pastors. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, and then folks just have to come to their own conclusions. I, I think, and again, this comes to conscience in terms of uh, the, the Sabbatarian views, whether you're going to take the continental view, which is that recreation is permitted, which I would hold to, um, or the, the more, you know, Puritan view, which would be that everything's sort of forbidden. Uh, I'm not there. Um, yeah. But but I would say, it, it, you know, the scripture doesn't... Um, the, the scripture doesn't give us any imperatives in that. It just says a day of rest. And yeah. so uh, I would argue that, you know, if you find rest and comfort in chopping wood on one day, then 
by all means do it. Um, I, I don't, but, uh, but I know guys who love to cut their grass and that's, you know, uh, they get on their riding lawnmower. And so maybe the lawnmower is doing the work. Um, and, uh, but so I, I would take that view that recreation would be permitted, uh, because oh, rec- yeah. recreation I, I, is if it's done well and, and in a godly way, um, then it, 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 it's just doing that, right? It's recuperating, it's restful, it's relaxing, that sort of thing. But again, I think the point is that you don't bind anyone else to your conscience, right? right. If, if you feel like you want to set a day aside and, and you want to do no recreation, you want to do no tangible work, you want to sit and read and pray and fast, praise yeah. God, um, as long as you don't force that on anyone else, because we don't have that as a prescription in Scripture. Yeah, and, and if you have sheep that falls into a pit, pull it out, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and really the modern day um, equivalent to that would be basically anything that requires your attention that, that, um, that you know, you're going to suffer if you don't do it, if you don't take care of it. If you have a water leakage break in the house, get it addressed, right? Yeah. Fix it. Yeah. You know, if, um, if, you're, um, if your family is in need of something for you to do, do something for them. And, uh, and and it's something that you're going to cause them to suffer by not doing it on that day. Then address it, right? So it's not meant to it's not meant to harm you, you know. It's not meant to um, harm others. And if there's an opportunity for you to do good for someone else, do it, right? So th- those are not Sabbath violations. Yeah. Of all the Ten Commandments, this would be the one that I would say. Uh, when we look all throughout the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and understand the the difference between. Uh, it, the expectations Israel had and what we have now, I would say that this is the one that is most open and free in yeah. terms of conscience, right? Um, you just have freedom here. And I think that's God's good design because he wants us to rest. Yep. Um, and so however you do that, I, I think some burdens can be lifted in my opinion. Uh, based on what we see, as long as you're taking a day of rest, I, I think the the very clear violation would be if you're working seven days a week and you're you're that's a norm and you're going and you're going and going. Yeah, right. Then not not only would it be a violation of the commandment, but I, you'll you'll most certainly experience the consequences of that eventually too, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and on the flip side, if you're legalistically requiring everyone else to cease everything no matter what, um, yeah. I, I think you're putting yourself in the same position as as the Pharisees. Yep. The um, the other thing that I would add um, is that um, the Sabbath is also is also meant symbolically to ultimately point to an ultimate rest. Um, the Book of Hebrews goes into this that the Sabbath, the ultimate Sabbath, is looking forward to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and that time that we're going to be in the presence of God because that is going to be the true rest. So we we take a day of rest and and symbolically that's to help remind us also mm. that there is coming an ultimate time of rest. Uh, but until then, we continue to labor on. Amen. Well, I don't have anything else to add, brother. So um, why don't you close us out today? We've talked about the commandment, and uh, which is a part of the law. And of course, uh, in the New Testament, we have the gospel in person, which is Christ. What is the gospel? Yeah, and you, you know, when we think about the day of rest, as I mentioned, it's meant to look forward to a time in which uh, the Lord will return establish the eternal state and and we are able to enjoy ultimate rest the problem is that we cannot enjoy ultimate rest because we stand condemned before a holy god Um, all of us are sinners Um, we have all sinned against god and god is a perfect judge he must judge us 
And, and so the lesson from the Old Testament is not only the picture of the Sabbath as being the ultimate uh, place of rest, but it's also a reminder to us that everyone falls short of the glory of God. Um, no one is righteous before God. That is why Paul says no one does good. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. Uh, so none of us are righteous. And this is why Jesus Christ had to come into the world. In fact, when we read in John 3, 16, it didn't merely say that God so loved the world that he sent his son. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And the difference between merely sending and giving is that there is a sacrifice involved. Jesus Christ went to the cross in order to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can enjoy the ultimate rest up in heaven. But it's only by putting our faith into him, repenting uh, of our sins, turning away, following after Christ. Um, that's that's how we express true faith in him. And in doing that, we are given the promise that uh, we are made into a new creation. We are given a new heart. Um, we are given his spirit. We are given salvation in the Lord. We are given eternal life that can never be taken away. So put your faith into the Lord Jesus Christ, and only then, then and only then, can you look forward to an ultimate rest. For those who deny Christ, um, they have nothing to look forward to but eternal condemnation, which is anything but a good rest. Amen. Well, I hope that this has been helpful for you guys listening, and until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.